I'm Ben James. I'm joined by Andy Howell and Simon Thomas on today's podcast. We've also got Sean Holly coming up in a little bit, but um, let's crack on with ourselves for now. There's plenty of rugby to talk about. It's been a while since we spoke. I think the aftermath of the French defeat was the last time we had a podcast. I wasn't involved with that. I was otherwise engaged. Yeah, it feels like we've never been away, Andrew. So well, um feels a long time for me after complete <laughs> since completing a twenty four hour marathon oh, cycle well for done, charity. Well done, yes, well yes, done. We yes. have noticed it. Now you boys yes. were sat around leisure and eating all the food well, company supplies. Well, us boys were doing the work in the office, you were doing the work on the saddle. But all it all contributes, doesn't it? It all balances out. I, I, I donated my twenty pounds. I know, I'd like to thank you that. for that, Ben. And I think Simon is gonna put uh, he's yes. gonna pledge now to give us uh, yeah. I'll £30. Be, I'll be, well, I'll be pledging to put some money in. <laughs> 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 I believe our boss, he's, he's, he's pledged to, uh, to, to match the funding, I think, like Barclays Bank. Yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, Paul Abaddon had he could be up to, uh, hopefully he's going to be up to uh, having a chip in a couple of grand. Just watch out for those moths coming out of the wallet when you do it. Then. <laughs> oh, dear me. The only man I ever know who moved pubs so he didn't have a round. What a thing uh, to say about the boss. Uh, well, well, well. He don't listen to this podcast. Um, let's, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's move on to some rugby. Um, since we've uh, last spoke, um, there's been a new arrival in camp. Owen Lane. Yep. The Lane train has choo-choo-chooed his way to the land of the bullet train. And uh, yeah, it caught us, well, it caught a few people by surprise, really, because we, uh, <coughs> it was well documented when Josh Navidi, unfortunately, had to call it a day in this World Cup. Due to his hamstring injury, Gatlin made it very clear, Warren Gatlin, that he was going to bring in a back because, given the makeup of the squad and them having reinforced the back row for various reasons that are well, you know, we talked about before, there's already there's still five back rowers left. So, and the rest of the pack really hasn't been too impacted. So that wasn't really where a reinforcement was needed, but it was needed in the backs. And given the injury situation to the two centres, two frontline centres, Jonathan Davis and Hadley Parks, which you know about, we kind of thought a specialist centre would be the favourite. And the obvious one, 58 caps, two Wales uh, World Cup campaigns. Scott Williams would be the one. But no, they've gone for Owen Lane. Now you've had a couple of days to digest on that. Any, any clearer why you think they've gone down that road? Yeah, I think with Scott Williams come back from a serious uh, back injury. And uh, you know, perhaps he's yet to do it, uh, it top form. or get all his speed and what have you uh, back. So perhaps they're concerned whether uh, he's, um, he's ready for a return to the international fold. fold. Owen Lane. I mean, you use these puns already on it, but he has been living life in a fast lane. And, um, uh, yeah, I think he's a good selection. He's a real bolter because, uh, I mean, his original position was centre. You've seen a lot of him at centre. But he hasn't had that chance at the Blues because of the other people they got there. And he had it, he, he got a chance on the wing by accident when they were, when they were um, because of injuries. And he's shown. And he's, uh, that's what's got him in the uh, world squad. He's such a good attacker. He's work in progress, perhaps defensively, but he's such a good attacker. He's so aggressive. He runs great lines, got a good rugby brain, knows his way to the try line, and he creates. So, you know, he could be a bolt. I know this, he's not going to train with Wales till Friday, but I'd ask the question, could he actually be involved on Sunday against South Africa as a, a player who could, you know, offer something in, a, in the Welsh attack, which has been misfiring recently? I, I watched quite a lot of not just at age group level, but also playing for Cardiff RFC. He sort of came through in about 2016 as a teenager there and um, played, I think it was probably about 
15 or so games with Cardiff RSC over a couple of seasons. And the vast majority of those were standing in the centre, which is where he played for Wales in the 20s, as well as recently as the uh, the World Cup and the Trains campaign in 2017, I think it was. He played 12 there, didn't he? Played, he? Oh, I think he, I saw, so, I've seen pictures. It was one of the centre. Anyway, it was definitely yeah. centre, um, mm. alongside Johan Nicholas, actually. Um, and what I've noticed about him, because obviously then I've covered him coming to the Blues, he plays on this wing a bit like a centre. Because he picks, Andy touched on it, he picks great lines and he comes from an unusual angles as a centre. So, I mean, he's somebody that if you, if you did get a run with him in the Wales team, you'd be seeing him coming in field. Um, I mean, he's a, he, he's still in many ways a work in progress. A couple of times positioning for the Blues defensively, he would probably have a little bit to work on. And he does have this habit sometimes of, because he goes right to the edge of the touchline and is attacking um, when he's going for sort of, Try and get through the defence. He can sometimes leave it a bit late to the inside ball, and sometimes dies to play. But he's got so much natural ability. He's got he's got the three things right that are absolute. You can't really buy it. He's got pace, power, and size. You know, those are just there. They're natural things, and he is going to be a big man, big figure for Wales. And I think part of it is getting more international experience as part of the World Cup. I suppose mm-hmm. if Wales do lose. On, on Sunday, we hope they don't. But if they did, and it's a third, fourth playoff, you might be tempted to to give him that game. I, I imagine Warren Gatlin would make a couple of changes for that. Maybe what did he do four years ago? Uh, eight, eight years, years ago, eight years ago some changes. Was... Some of them were injury enforced. Dictated by um, a lot, weren't they? Yeah, uh, I'd argue um, if you can play Lane, play him this match. Uh, um, uh, to me, I know some people, you guys perhaps included, right off the third place playoff. But a third place playoff to me, and I hope we're not in a, in a final, is still a big deal because it might not be a big deal in New Zealand, South Africa, or uh, Australia, but it should be to Wales because we're a small nation. And this is only the third time we've got a World Cup semi final. For Wales to finish third in the world would be a great achievement. We're still writing about the one from 87 to 32 years later. Yeah, I know. So, you know, I know, but we've written off. We've written <laughs> you know, they are big deals when you, when you yeah. don't get there that often, don't they? Yeah, but people, you know, it's been different, said. Different uh, ambitions now. Different, amb- you know, it's um, people say, oh, it doesn't mean anything. You know, bronze medal, playoff match, bronze medal's better, better than no medal. However, Wales are aiming for the gold medal of winning the tournament. So let's concentrate on this match with uh, uh, South Africa. Yeah, well and, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Um there's a lot of talking points on referees, which I think we'll get to uh, after we've heard from Sean Holly. But let's talk a bit about South Africa then. Um, if France was a game where we went into it, maybe expecting to win, is that the right sort of phrase? But we, we were nervous for the lack of nerves. We, we don't have that problem with South Africa because these matches are always tight, aren't they? The last few years has been dominated by physicality and kicking. Yeah, which... The funny thing for me is, I mean, we, we've won four in a row against them. And yet, I still detect generally at large from the Welsh rugby public a little bit of trepidation. And uh, the bookies certainly have got South Africa, I think, it's all six or eight points favourites. So we are, we are the official underdogs, and we're viewed probably internally by, by Welsh rugby fans as underdogs. Why? Well, twofold, really. Wales probably, since the Grand Slam, have only played in a few patches. You could look at the warm-up game against England. They played well. 
first halves against Georgia and against Australia, Australia. and then the good comeback in the Fiji second half. But, you know, the good bits have been interspersed by some pretty indifferent stuff. And, and unfortunately, the indifferent stuff, we've been looking for 80-minute performance. Well, we pretty much got it against France, but it was 80 minutes of pretty indifferent stuff, you know, not what we've been hoping for. So given form and how South Africa played, you know, first, that game against New Zealand, that was a tremendous game. They really stressed New Zealand in that first half, ultimately lost, but showed their strength. And against Japan, just in the second half, it was just a brutal physical display. And all those reasons are why now we are the underdogs. Now, maybe... Maybe they'll feel more comfortable than that. What do you think, Ant? Yeah, I think they will. Absolutely. I expect them will produce their best performance of the uh, tournament. I think with his, regards to the bookies, you know, it's a case as... Uh, and and when I've seen that stuff. You spoke to a <laughs> South African journalist. Brendan Nell, And yes. like we saw from Australia before Wales played them, the attitude of the Australia camp and all, oh, it's little old Wales. When it comes to the crunch, we, you know, they, we can beat them while they've ever done. Well, Wales are Six Nations champions. They did have a 14-match winning uh, streak. And this is the European champions up against the Rugby Championship Kings in South Africa. Um, rugby Championship uh, winners have never won a World Cup. Yeah, I know. It's a great start. And is it going to continue? <laughs> well, time? well, it was interesting talking to Brendan just because he's over in Pretoria. He, you know, he's covered rugby for Supersport. He's uh, involved in covering the Pro 14. He sees all the range of South African rugby. He's been very experienced in looking at it, engaging the viewpoint. And I got the impression from him that there's satisfaction that, that you know, it's been a very successful year South Africa. And let's put it in context. When Razi Erasmus took over, they were seventh in the world. They just lost to Italy. They'd lost more games in a calendar year than one. They were in a dark place, a poor place. He's taken them to a new level. But um, there's, a, there's a view in South Africa, apparently, that there's a little bit of frustration that how much they're kicking the ball away. Now, that clearly is part of their game plan. Right there. Perhaps the conditions, the slippery ball in South Africa, wanting to play pressure, knockout rugby is having an yeah. impact. But, I mean, he was telling me there's jokes doing a bit of banter about Faf de Klerk and how much he's kicking the ball, how much Willie Leroux is kicking the ball. And um, so, they, you, so is he saying that Faf is faffing around a lot? Well, he, he did say that there's a joke in South Africa that there's a heat wave in Pretoria and a guy said it, it was so hot I almost passed out. But I spoke to Faf and he said, well, you never pass. So <laughs> you know, there, there's, a, there's a bit of banter going around there. And I think the other thing um, about South Africa, I mean, when, you, when you look at the, the, way, the way they're playing, um, I didn't know this, but uh, they had an attacking consultant, uh, Suisse de Brun, his name is, and he was heavily involved in the build-up and the success in the rugby championship. And then in August, he resigned. He stepped down. Yes. Um, so, and there's a feeling that since he's gone, they've kind of reverted to type of yeah. didn't, didn't Felix Jones take his place from yeah. Munster? Was yeah, that, I think so. Was that the move? I'm not sure if that was yeah. a direct replacement or really, whether he was in a consultant. But anyway, yeah. the general viewpoint is that they tightened up a bit since then. And um, your mate Squidgy did a very good um, video on it where he, he looked at the, how they, what they do in particular areas. They're, they're quite prescribed. In other words, when they're in their own 22 it's get out and get downtown. Yeah. When in the opposition 22, you go through your attacking phases, whether that be sort of a series of pods, whether that be, you know, strike runners, but, you know, you've got your attack plans. And then in the middle section of the game, he basically worked it out that they go through five phases. And if you ain't got anywhere after five, that bit goes. So I think this game, as much as any we've seen in the tournament so far, is going to be a massive aerial contest. And who is the better side in the air of these two, do you reckon? Wales. Potentially, I think biggest. Uh, big. <laughs> Let's call the game off. We won. Yeah, no, no, no. Definitely, our fullbacks much better than their fullback. Willie Leroux. Fan of Willie Leroux. No, he's hot and cold. 
when he, he, and he's cold more than he's hot these days. And I'd question, <laughs> I'd question, I'd question his resolve, how much metal he's got. And if you test him, he could crack. Uh, you know, strong words. Yeah. So, um, you know, Will's got definite advantage there. Dan Biggers, he's a really good kicker, as we know. I'm great with the chase. Oh, mind you, I'm a big fan of Andre Pollard. And uh, and De Klerk himself is a good kicker, as is Gaz Davis. Well, remember, Interesting battle. Four years ago in the quarterfinal, Will's going to try. Dan Bigger over the top. Didn't he take the yeah. ball out to Willie mm. LaRue's grasp and yes. give the scoring pass to Gareth Davis? I think he did. Yeah. He did. Mm. I was watching that earlier yeah. today. Still can't work out how he mm. got that pass away. But I, I think um, what I got the impression as well is I, I put this point to Brandon about, you know, Wales having the Indian sign over South Africa recently for once. He says there is a view over there. This is how the perception is that end of tour games, end of year tour games, i.e. our autumn, November time, Perhaps don't get the fullest reflection of the strength of mm. the side, and also pointed to the fact that the defeating Washington was a second string South African. Mm. So I think there's a view of the second string worse. Yeah, there's I'll a, point out. I, 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 and I think about end of season tours. That's the excuse we always <laughs> yeah, use when we go to the Southern Hemisphere and get stuffed. But Erasmus apparently, I think he said this week, he's looking forward for the first time to be able to field a full strength well, side it, against it, Wales. The World Cup is at any time it's a level playing field, isn't it? You looked at the team that played got... last November. How, how did that compare? The, the team that were Els Jenkins, man of the match, where Thomas Francis, I think Liam Williams scored yeah. tries. How strong was that South African team? Oh, it was a You're... decent side. Wales have beaten him. Wales have beaten him by winning the arm wrestle. Each time we beat him, we won the arm wrestle. And, and if South Africa employ those tactics, uh, Brendan has said over there, gone back to type and all, that will suit Wales. The arm wrestle. Yeah. If South Africa open it up a bit and run it our backs and all, they'll be more dangerous because yeah. they got some good players. I think the view was that the view was against Japan in the quarterfinal in the first half. They tried to play a bit more expansively, tried a few things, slippery ball, they were turning ball over, yeah. which gave Japan ball. And in the second half, they just turned the screw. Because obviously they beat Japan in a warm-up game, didn't they? And, yes. that, and that set the groundwork deliberately so, I think, for, for how they want to play this World Cup and how, how teams have, should play this World Cup is... You play the conditions in Japan, it's slippery out there and it's hot. You're better off not having the ball and, and, and going through phases defending. No, unless you're the All Blacks. They well, love having the ball. ball. I mean, um, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think we, we yeah. were talking yeah. about that, that driving mall against Japan. And we said 30 metres. Well, I looked at it again. It was closer to 50 metres. I think, they, I think they measured it. The World Rugby video came out today and it was 45 metres. One of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen. I mean, and once you get that kind of rumble on, it's very, very difficult to, to stop it. Now, Wales have done truck, well. Truck and trailer at the split, well, wasn't it? Well, at the very end, yeah. they'd already made 40 metres <laughs> by that point. They were getting the penalty Wales anyway. Wales have done well with the likes of Adam Beard and before that, Luke Charteris. You know, Jake Ball's very good at disrupting as Alan well. did a good job on... Alan Wynne with good upper, the strong upper body strength, isn't there? And like Moriarty is quite strong in that area as well. That's going to be a big challenge. And the other big challenge, of course, is going to be the scrum because they've got four outstanding props. So, yeah, look, you know what's coming. Yeah. Listen, no, we, we, Listen we, now. You know, yeah, we won the last we four. Go. We won five of the last six out of them. But we lost the one that mattered. World Cup quarterfinal, took in them. Um, I think it was 23-19. Late try. Late the, try. Uh, de Pries. And who created that try? Raymond Mullen is playing this this match and has had a good World Cup. He's won, you know, he's won the better number eights in the world. Pick up, went blindside, used Dupree, drew in Alice Cuthbert and put someone, uh, Dupree scored, was it? Dupree yeah, he drew, you know, Van Erland drew, yeah. drew Lloyd Williams and, um, Cuthbert. and Cuthbert in and just put him over. Uh, but, in, you know, looking at that game, South Africa deserved to win that match. Wales just dug in Hung in that game. South Africa would be better than us at forward. You know, you talk about South Africa playing Wales with a full-strength team. I mean, look at that Wales team that day. It was Jamie Roberts, Tyler Morgan in the centre, Gareth Anscombe at fullback. It was, you know, 
some exciting players. It's exciting, but they, they, they certainly weren't expecting to start a quarterfinal, were they? No, no. I, su- I suppose the bottom line is if you've got Eben Estevez, Lou Dejaga, Peter Steph Dutois, Dwayne Vermeulen in your pack, you're going to want to utilize yeah, strengths. Yeah, yeah. Like Wales were hanging on by their fingernails that day, and every time we got in it half, and this could be a key this weekend, it was discipline. South Africa's discipline let him down, and Dan Bigger was keeping us in the game with penalties. Uh, so it could come down to discipline and uh, goal yeah, kicking. I expect them to use Damien Zellande a lot as a very direct runner. He's got the strength to sort of go and drive through the initial tackle, get them on the gain line. Faf de Klerk then, a little boxer trick. What do you think of him? And your ex Grimard, as we always say. Well, when like we him? saw him make like him? No, when we saw him make his debut, which I think was against Wales in Cardiff, you know, in the press box of view was that bloke will never play. <laughs> International rugby again. Where did they get him from? They got him from a parks pitch. He was useless. <laughs> However, the bloke has made extraordinary strides. What should you put that down to? Johnny Sales Sharks. Uh, um, no, <laughs> but he has. I don't know. He's got something about him. And, you know, he's not just a live wire. He punches way above his weight for a small bloke. He's tackling and his enthusiasm and everything else. And he's just, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he couldn't pass when he played against Wales originally, but now his passing's improved. He's kicking out of hands good. But he has, I suppose, as well, he's got a lot better platform than perhaps he did having that particular game because South Africa was shambles that day one of the worst South African teams I've ever seen it's interesting he, he's kind of viewed more highly here it seems to me mm. than in South Africa they they view him there as, uh, as someone who's kicking too much and, and also someone who will try things and when it works it's brilliant but if it backfires it can really backfire you know I think he's a good player I watched oh, a lot yeah. of him in the sale and he's he's just into everything mm. and he's like a classic little terrier isn't he's he tough and, as well yeah. he's tough. It's, it's a really good South African side mm. it's one of the best there's been for a long while yeah. Wales, will, I, Wales will need to be at the peak of their game yeah, to and win Paula, Andre Pollard you know he's former world under 20 player of the year and on the back of that he played in our last World Cup as outside half just a couple of months later and then he suffered a serious knee injury Played a bit in France, but you know he is—he's their conductor. He's a good player. He can run with the ball. He's quite big, isn't he? He's physical, and uh, you know they're going to take some stopping. Um, and we haven't even mentioned him, Pepe, um, and yeah. called him. He's, he's the finish, pace, finishing, pace and finishing. Oh, honestly, mm. worrying myself now. It's like it's like a mirror image, isn't it? You look at the, you know both physical teams, both love the kicking battle, both have got scrum halves who defend in very unique ways. I mean. The clerk took an intercept off the back of a scrum last week yeah. where he followed the opposition, he followed the Japanese scrum half around the scrum and just ran a support line behind the Japanese attack and waited for the pass to come back. It's the, you wouldn't see any other scrum half in the world do that. It's just yeah. him and Gareth Davis is going to be some battle. Um, and then you got him in the bench as well. I thought it was intrigued. I've been mean, sat by Andy this afternoon while he's been putting together his head to head player ratings. Oh, and, uh, I won, I won it's always a big moment when he says the, the big reveal. On, we won't give too everything give away. Any, away we'll, shall yeah. we say it quite close? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who would you give top marks to out of the 30 players starting? I can't remember. I did a half hour ago. <laughs> I can't remember that far back. <laughs> oh, you know, Delaney's up there, isn't he? And um, Andy uh, Colby's a good player. Yes. And Tip Rich is up there. You know, guys are uh, you know, some of the best. Uh, Wayne Wright's had a good World Cup. You know, it's not most of the players in this match. Both teams got semi-finals. So they all score in highly. Do you know what I hope as much as anything? Um, I hope that Wales give a good account of themselves. It would have been a sad way for it to have ended last Sunday as it looked yeah. as it was going to end for Warren Gatton's last game to have been a bit of a damp scrape against France. This won't be the last game or whatever, but I hope I yeah. hope that this really huge game will give a good... I'll show what they're capable well, of. Now we do, know when the last game is coming as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know what? Last weekend, that's probably the most nervous I've ever seen Gatton when, when the camera was panned on him in the box. He was clearly 
Like the rest of us, he was shocked and extremely concerned. Yeah, you know, because he didn't want it, and nobody wanted to end last weekend. It would have been a huge disappointment. Uh, Wales have got their World Cup out this week. You know, as you know, I've been tipping South Africa to win the World Cup for a couple of months. I'm aware. Uh, but you know, I think Wales can trouble them. What Wales do have, and um, we've seen this time and again, is they've got this ability that if they're in the fight in the last twenty minutes, they've got the resilience, the doggedness, courage, the character, and the courage. They don't know when they're done. No, to actually, not exactly that. For years and years, probably a five or six year period in the Gatlin, especially against the Southern Hemisphere teams, you'd see the reverse where it'd be one score game and in the last 10 minutes it would just drift away. This team is a different animal. It's got the ability to dog it out and even do so when it's not playing and get the result. Cut, so cut. the key thing for me, I mean, I just worry a little bit about South Africa supercharging through the first 50, 60 minutes mm-hmm. and the game being over by then. I think if Wales are in the fight in the last 20, I'd back them always to be in with a shot yeah, of winning it. Collectively, this Welsh team is punching way above its weight. You compare this team to the 2011 World Cup team and look at the stars that were in that team, and really there's no comparison. But the top two inches. Mm, indeed, yeah. Uh, but So they, these boys, they never know when they've beaten. You've got to hand it to them. Yeah, you do, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, we'll hear the thoughts of Sean Holley, and I think we'll have a little discussion about the, uh, the referees because, as always in this World Cup, that's been uh, very interesting. But... Um, Here's the thoughts of Sean Holly. Okay, joined now on the podcast by Sean Holly. Um, Sean, you're not long back from Japan, so I appreciate you uh, appearing on the pod. Um, how was it out there? Yeah, back today, Ben. Long trip home. Uh, had a fantastic time. Uh, great country. Uh, the people of Japan have really embraced the World Cup and um, I think everybody that's been out there has really been amazed by uh, what a brilliant place it is. Um, fortunately, travel around a lot with Wales. Disappointed to be coming home with other Welsh fans, but uh, looking forward to watching on TV this weekend. Indeed, and it, it's shaping up to be some battle, isn't it? You know, uh, a, a real sort of tactical chess match this weekend between the two teams. Yeah, it is. Uh, they are two heavyweights. Um Normally pretty good defensively, physically. I watched the Wales-France game back. I was there live, obviously, and it was better watching on TV. It was impressive with Wales' performance in, in the 10 minutes before half-time when they were down, when Ross Moriarty was in the same bin. And then second half to nil France, albeit with 14 men. I was I was pretty happy with the, particularly the forwards, the, the shift that they put in. So it looked a little bit more Sean Edwards-like, although three tries conceded early on. Uh, in particular, I think it, it it sort of was a good preparation for the South Africa game. Talk, talk about the defence there. Everyone's, or a lot of people are sort of citing the the missed tackle statistics. You know, I think Wales have missed about 100 tackles in this tournament. It's about averaging right, missed 20 missed tackles a game. But those numbers don't always tell the full story, do they? No, they don't. Um, you know, they are higher than normal. For, for a Welsh and a Sean Edwards uh, defence, uh, I think you know, you've got to look at the opposition players have played, they've played against some real good sides, they've been caught short a little bit in midfield where you know, perhaps Wales have missed Jonathan Davis on occasion, Hadley Parks is a little bit battle weary um, and, and, and on turnover ball as well, uh, you know, where, where we've seen France in particular get a little bit lucky and get the ball and, and get through a few times. Fiji were outstanding, and even Uruguay on the counter-attack were dangerous. So there's other reasons for that. But I was, as I say, pretty happy with the second-half performance, the 10 minutes before half-time against France. And I think, you know, coming into the semi-final, 
I think it's going to be a much better Welsh defence performance, getting better as games go on. And as dangerous as South Africa are, they are pretty one-dimensional and they use their physicality to, to get through teams. That's always been something that Wales have coped fairly well with. But um, I suppose one area of strength for Wales has always been the kicking sort of uh, game. But France did a pretty ju- good job on both sides of the ball on, on the weekend, both in how they returned Wales's kicks and also how they managed to find space behind Wales because obviously Wales operate with a two man and two man two men in the backfield and and they they managed to find space there didn't they Yeah they did and at times uh, Medard in particular who was acting as a, another kicker got it down the middle of the field and hit grass and uh, Liam Williams and Dambiger had to kick long distances from the center of the field and Sometimes under pressure as well. I think out in the white channels, they got some purchase as well, chipping over into that space. As you rightly say, defending the scrum half in the in the line, they they are vulnerable to that. Conversely, Dupont was sweeping out the back, and anything Dan Bigger tried over the top, he was covering. So that's something South Africa will look at. They defend very similarly. You know, um, Fafter Clerk is in the line, he rushes out of the line a bit like Gareth Davis. We could see a battle of the chip kicks on the weekend. Uh, but it certainly causes sills and spills as uh, as the people in the back have to sweep up and cover things. That brings us quite nicely on to the next point. You know, you mentioned there Gareth Davis and Fafter Clerk. They both defend very similarly. They're probably the top two in the world in defending how they do with, with their role in the back line. That's that's going to be some battle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They're charged with a bit of a free reign there. But then they, they're allowed to sort of come out of the line. We've seen Gareth Davis intercepts. You know, with uh, plum really, and on the timing of that, and sometimes he cuts off real dangerous attacks. Have the clerk the same for a small man, really does get off the line and put some big hits in. You know, but it does mean there is space behind, and uh, you know, they, for fullbacks it's a little bit of a nightmare. It means that your blindside wing has to work hard off his wing, and uh, you know, it does it does cause some problems. However, you know, if you do slow the ball up and get off the line, it can be so so effective the blitz defence. So. I would imagine we're in for some physicality on the weekend. And I have no issues with that from a Welsh point of view. I think we are one of the most physical sides in the tournament. I think we're one of the fittest. But so too South Africa. It's just whether or not either team have enough in attack to break each other down. I think in recent times, Wales-South Africa games have been close, sort of turgid encounters with so much at stake, Ben. Then surely there's going to be a few more exciting moments on the weekend. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, It is going to be physical and, and when it comes to the box you've got to match them physically but Wales probably don't have enough big ball carriers we've seen in the tournament to, to really sort of lean too hard into a game where they punch holes in teams so they've probably got to maybe look for other ways to break down this box defence is that a fair assessment of things? I think it is fair to say I think it's clear we've missed the likes of a, a Toby Falatow a world class player you know, I think uh, he's. I think George North had his best game against France, although he was still quite quiet. And we've seen him and Josh Adams. Clearly, Stephen George is trying to get him off the wing and uh, and get their ball in hand a little bit more. Maybe Ross Moriarty will step up now that he has to. Um, with Josh Navidi out, he's obviously going to start and needs a, probably a big game. And one, one guy has been underrated for me, Ben, I think has carried well, albeit pretty one-dimensional, has been Jake Ball. Um, he does it hard yards, but he does get across the game line and, and just, you know, add a little bit of value there. But, I mean, I think probably we're looking to the likes of maybe Adam Wainwright and Justin Tiprick to use a bit of footwork and get an offload in. Hadley Parks has been a big ball carry for Wales. He's been quiet because he's obviously a little bit weary and uh, well-marked. 
Uh, and I'd like to see, you know, Gareth Davis just just get out and scoot a little bit. He, a lot of the stuff is off the deck, which means the ball carriers are very static. I think when we've watched New Zealand, uh, England, and uh, to a certain extent, uh, Australia, then, you know, then the scrum halves are really threatened around the fringes. And, and that causes all sorts of problems for those big front fight defenders. And, and if we can get Gareth Davis just moving around as a threat a little bit more, maybe we see a few more line breaks. You touched upon um, the back row. Obviously, you think Jake Ball had a massive game, one of his best games for Wales. And that probably did allow the likes of Tipperick and Wainwright to really sort of stalk the, the wider channels. You know, Aaron Wainwright was pretty much living on the left wing at times, if you, if you look at his contributions in the game. Um, how, how, big yeah. a game, how big a game is it? Is it going to be a different back row? Obviously, that Navidi's out, we're bringing in Moriarty. How, how big a game is this back row going to have to have on, on Sunday? Oh, they, they're going to have to have a huge game. The size, the sheer size and physical presence of the South African back row, you know, Khaleesi, Vermeulen, you know, to, to name but two, they, they, they're massive men. And, I, I, you know, Wales, Wales are different types of players. I think Wainwright has been the find of the year. He's got an acceleration and a bit of footwork that allows him to offload, beat people one-on-one. Tiprick, we know all about genuine world-class um, as it has been said time and time again, who can create things and has a bit of an outside break and gas and an offload and, a, and great at a show and go. So I don't think South Africa have those type of players in their back row. So it's going to be very much a, a cat and mouse in that respect. Again, our front five are going to have to have a big shift in defence. Uh, I think Dan Bigger and Hadley Parks again are going to have to step up. Let's hope Jonathan Davis is fit. No disrespect to him walking, but he adds a lot in terms of the leadership of the defence. And then it will be about key moments and taking them, as there has been in recent South Africa games with Wales. You know, just one or two moments. Can we get through? You know, can we get that offload in? Is it that half break? And can you get through and support? Is there an interception? Can Liam Williams break through on a on a counter attack from a loose kick? Those are going to be the decisive moments in the game. And who knows? You know, we saw um, uh, Cami Lopez come off the bench and try a drop goal against Wales. He did against Argentina. Will the drop goal return and play a part in these semi finals? Because as we know, Dan Bigger is pretty capable of doing that. Indeed, he is. Uh... Going back to the back row, it, you look at the last time Wales were in a semi-final, you obviously, we had Dan Lydia, Sam Warburton and, and Toby Falatow come through and it felt like that back row was clearly defined in, it, in its balance that it was three very different players who, who brought very different things. Obviously, yeah. Navidi's now out injured, but this back row feels a bit different. It feels like three sort of more hybrid players who can all largely do the same thing and it's a different balance but it seems to be just as effective doesn't it? Yeah I I think to be fair even with Josh Navidi in there you know to his credit he's played six seven and eight for Wales and uh, so is Justin Tipperick and I mean right he's played now six and eight so you're right they're sort of hybrid sort of players but you know I thought in the last game Tipperick played like a real seven I thought Wainwright really functioned as a real six and um, and Ross Moriarty's best position for me is that he, where he can just do an out and out job. He can put off the base. He can he can carry hard in the middle of the field. And so and so maybe by hook or by crook, Ben, this this is now developed into a back row that we out of the out of the squad with Navidi out is the one that perhaps is is timing their form. 
just about right. I think uh, Justin Tipperick had a rest in, in one game, didn't he? Wainwright um, did play in, in the uh, Uruguay game, but came off quite early. So, And Ross Moriarty's come off the bench a few times. I think they're relatively fresh, which is something that's going to be really important going into Sunday. You mentioned George North a, a while ago. He's going to have a big game in terms of dealing with Cheslin Colby ahead of him. But um, he, he's been trying to get involved more on the ball. You know, we've seen him coming off his wing, but it, it just seems to be a sort of a trait of this uh, of this team. Uh, not not even this team. You've seen it in the World Cup a lot, where the left wing is getting a lot more action. Josh Adams is getting a lot more of the ball. We saw it with England on the you know on the other the weekend. Johnny May got quite a lot of uh, of sort of traffic down his down his wing, a lot of work, and, and he capitalised on that. Well, maybe Watson had to sort of put in a few more hard yards. Is is that is that sometimes just uh, is that a coincidence or is that maybe a, a natural trait of the game sometimes? No, I think it's more coincidence. Things I'm quite gone George's way, and but uh, you know in the in the early games I I felt he wasn't perhaps hungry enough to go and look for the ball. I thought France was his best game. He, uh, he saved Wales on two occasions. When he tracked back to a kick over the top, did extremely well. And then he made a one-on-one last-ditch tackle. He, he, they used him off a right-hand attacking scrum, but they brought him in on a little scissors from Dan Bigger. He's been lurking in behind Gareth Davis, I said, looking for some work. And he was he was in the build-up to, to Dylan Lewis's knock-on, which ironically left to, went to the scrum that... Wales turned over for the Moriarty try. He was in the build-up, carrying off nine there again. I think that's where George adds real value. So there's good signs there, Ben. I think I think we'll need to see him a little bit more. However, the two wingers, you know, for uh, for South Africa, very very dangerous. He's going to have to do his kicking work. He's going to have to do his retrieval work and his defensive work. But when Wales have the ball, if he's hungry and really goes for it, as Warren says, puts it all out there and leaves nothing on the table, then surely you'll have a big moment in the game. Indeed, and I suppose the kicking battle is going to be massive, isn't it? It's going to be huge, and normally we don't have any qualms there. I think Jonathan Davis is key again there because he has that left-footed option. You know, Gareth Davis um, perhaps you know isn't the strongest kicking nine in Wales, but he's he's sort of got better in this tournament at it. But one thing's for sure, Fafta Clerk. And Andre Pollard are exceptional halfbacks, probably arguably the best pair together in world rugby at the moment. And um, you know, the other thing is the size of uh, of Pollard at ten. He he adds an attacking physical threat. Their land has been excellent in this World Cup. So I mean, there's lots <laughs> lots to contend with. But you do know that with South Africa, it's going to be a pretty similar sort of game plan to Wales, and that's why Wales have done. You know, pretty well in recent times against them. You know, I, I, again, I think of the of the three nations. If we were to play, I uh, take a choice, Ben, of who we would have in the semi final. I think Warren would pick South Africa, and you know, therefore the boys will show a bit of confidence going into it as well. I think it's going to be close, and it'll come down to a, a pivotal moment. Which which way do we see it going there? Before we move on to the Pro Fourteen, then let's let's get a prediction. Uh, I, do you know what? It could be our time. I'm going to go Wales 18-15. There we go. That's what we love to hear. Um, <laughs> let's let's move on to the uh, the Pro 14 then. Uh, all the regions back in action this weekend. Um, start with the Ospreys because it's, um, it's been a tough start to the season, obviously, on the field and off it. If you look at the injury list, it doesn't get any easier Friday night, does it? No, it doesn't go up to Munster, you know, and it's been a real poor start to the season. When you look at the fixtures, you probably would have thought, all oh, right, they need to get off a good start, difficult fixtures. But 
No, it's the conceding points is uh, a varying characteristics of, of of any Ospreys team. You know, again conceding fifty or in Lens a big defeat early on against Ulster. A narrow win, you know. You got the likes of Dan Lydia playing in the second row. They they lack in depth at half back, um, and that's a big worry, you know, at, at this point in the season. You can't see the cavalry coming back too early because they're going to need a rest, having gone deep in the World Cup. Alan Winter, Prick, Nicky Smith, uh, come out, you know, Gallet Davis, all these sort of players. George North, they've been heavily involved. In the, they need to rely on what they got at the moment, and it's not looking good. So, you know, I see a Munster win out there on uh, Friday night and it's, it's it's not looking rosy for the last place. No, indeed. Um, Cardiff Blues also travel to Ireland on Friday night. They they face uh, Ulster. Um, never a nice sort of Friday night trip, is it, going to uh, to Ulster? No, they always play on a Friday night out there in the Kingspan and it, they have a big crowd, whatever side they put out. And, you know, the one thing with Ulster is they do have decent depth in the squad to cope during these times. Um, Cardiff Blues are probably looking to go out and play some attractive football, score some tries and, and try and, and, and get a, a, an attractive win. But I can't see it, Ben. I'm all doom and gloomy at the moment. But, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, symptomatic of the depth in our squads at the moment and um, the quality that we have left. So, you know, again, it's an Ulster win at home for me. Uh, then on the Saturday, the Dragons host uh, Glasgow. They recently got that uh, monkey off their back with the uh, the first away win in, I think it was four years. Um, yeah. But uh, they then followed that up with a with a home defeat to Connacht. So um, it, it's, it's always two steps forward, one step back, isn't it? Yeah, I, I had a good look at the Dragons Connacht game because uh, I'll be working on Premier Sports for the for this one on the weekend. I mean, they started really well and they look like they're trying to play some expansive rugby, particularly in the backs. I think Sam Davis adds a little bit of something for them. But again, uh, you know, it's the ball carrying department that. Um, that perhaps the Dragons are, are lacking. They, they they make a bit of a break. You know, Jordan Williams so exciting at full-back and Ashton Hewitt back looking sharp. Sam J. Davis pulling some strings. But, you know, when they make a break or they, you know, they get some ascendancy, then they, they can't follow it up with with a big ball carrying back row forward or second row forward, you know. And, uh, you know, Richard Hibbert's uh, getting a bit long in the tooth now. He can't rely on the likes of him. So I think that's where they're lacking. Uh, it's a young pack of forwards. And then in defence, of course, now that takes its toll when sides like Connor Gnarly sort of pack. Uh, they get on top and they they understand they can take them on at the mall on the scrum and they wear them down. So Connor really did that job on them. Whether Glasgow have that in them to come down, they got a pretty good record and you now they do have a little bit of depth there. They've left the likes of Rob Harley at home from the World Cup. You know, they, they uh, Matt Fargus in the back row. So they have some talent there and Unless they shore up that aspect of the game, the Dragons, they could be in for another busy night there at Rodney Parade. But let's be hopeful. Dean Ryan will be working hard behind the scenes. And if they can get a bit of parity and get it to those backs, then who knows? And the final uh, region in action is uh, the Scarlets. Um, they've got another trip up to Scotland, this time to face Edinburgh. They're a three from three start of the season. It's been a great start for Brad Moore. Um, but that's not going to be easy, is it, going up to Edinburgh? No, it's not. Any any Richard Cockerell side is difficult to beat, no matter if they miss him players or not. And um, But, you know, confidence and momentum is a big thing. And, uh, you know, the Scarlet's been playing some attractive stuff and got off to a good start. Fair play to Brad Moore and his team. And, 
you know, if they can go up there and keep playing some attractive stuff, you know, have some beliefs, go early, then the pressure goes on the home side. So, you know, I think this will be a lot closer. I think this is the one sort of good news story in the Welsh regions at the moment. And the Scarlet are the sort of side who can, who can go away to Edinburgh and play an attractive style of rugby that can, can score tries and possibly sneak the win. But it's not going to be easy against a very physical, new-look sort of Edinburgh squad now under Cockrell. I suppose we always say that these are the sort of weeks where the, the Pro 14 is won when you're playing in the international breaks. It's, it's probably amplified by the fact there's a World Cup on and Test players are going to be out for, for so long. But the Scarlets, traditionally, when they won the, the Pro 12, they they capitalise in these weeks. Um, and they do look to be doing it again, don't they? Well, I was fortunate enough then to win four titles at the Ospreys um league titles and uh, I think all of the international boys would echo my sentiments and say that they all four were pretty much won because of these periods you know you had quality international players at your disposal and good young Welsh players who gelled together realised they had a job to do and got important wins it's, um, and, and sometimes it's not just the wins it's stopping other sides getting bonus points and, and maybe picking up away bonus points as well so you know, or every point counts during these international windows. Because um, as I said, what people don't realise is even though the World Cup will finish, the players won't come straight back. They're going to need a break. And so it's going to be a, a long old season for the regions without a lot of the international players, you know, that's despite any injuries. So, yeah, you're right. You know, any any sort of points gained away from home and then securing any sort of win at home are vital in terms of the success or qualification of the playoffs in the, in the Pro 14. That's the thing, isn't it? Now, now that Wales have booked their place in the you know the, the the last two weeks of the World Cup, they won't be coming back until after the second November. And European yeah. fixtures start around the sixteenth, is it? So you you wouldn't expect them to be involved for those. So it, it could be a while before we see any of the Welsh boys involved in the in the Pro Fourteen. And you add to that the one Wales Autumn International where your oh, yeah, big 30th. guns are likely. The big guns are likely not to play, therefore the knock-on effect is other boys will step up playing that and there's a knock-on effect for regions there. So it really does, you know, test the depth of your squad, your coaching ability and selection. Um, but that's why we're in it. You know, you roll your sleeves up and get on with that. I used to revel in it, to be honest. And, you know, it is a lesson there for, for the regions to build you know, strong academies make very good overseas signings, but as we all know, funding tends to be a bit of an issue these days. Indeed, it does. You can only take it one weekend at a time, I suppose, and we can. The best we can hope for is five Welsh wins uh, this weekend. Um, <laughs> Sean, uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Um, it's probably about time you've got some sleep. Yeah, I'm off to bed now. Make sure I wake up for Sunday morning. Indeed, brilliant, great stuff, Sean. Thanks. For that. Okay, so that's what Sean Holly has to say on the match. Um, good tactical assessments, much like yourself, boys. Let's talk about referees, because I know we love talking about referees on this podcast. It's never dull, is it, when it comes to officiating? We've had, what have we had today? Um, petitions, <laughs> um, allegations that Jaco Piper was pulled from the England All Blacks match after that photo. It, it's all going on, isn't it? Who would be a referee? It certainly is, isn't it? The South, Afri- South African, some fan has started a petition. Uh, trying to get Jerome Garcia pulled off the, uh, the 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 semi-final against where South Africa was because they're unhappy with South Africa's results when he's been ref. I think is it, they lost ten out of fourteen or something. Uh, while he's been in charge, something like that, Sounds you like know. One 
They yeah, lost I'm, nine out of the last ten. Like that. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at it, I, I can't remember matches. any controversy in any of those matches of uh, note. And uh, a lot of those matches have been against the All Blacks. So, you know, what are they bleating about? I, I saw someone make... The, the what people, a bunch of yeah. whingers. <laughs> I, won't, I won't quite go that far, but the, the same person who, I think it was SA Rugby Magazine, that, that Twitter account, who did the graphic that said, you know, Gar says as South Africa have lost this many matches under Gar says, also said that the All Blacks have won 19 out of their last 20 matches under Nigel Owens. And I'm like, you could probably look at any referee. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's all fun of the fair. The, the, the All Blacks, the all Blacks have lost game. about four games it's, in the last it's all four years. Yeah. It's all a bit of banter. It's all a bit of fun of the fair. At the end of the day, you know, yes, there's been contentious decisions in this World Cup. There would probably be more to come, but over the course of things, it tends to even itself out yeah. and the, the best teams win. Gus is a different, decent referee. Yeah. I think he's decent. Jacob Piper won. Now, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Just we explain all, that. Well, we all know what happened with Jackie Pfeiffer, where he, where he sort of posed with a group of Welsh fans, um, kind of mimicking Bahimina's um, uh, elbow into the face of Wainwright, which earned the French lock, uh, you know, a red card in the quarterfinal. Um, now, what we understand, this is coming out of South Africa via, the, I think, the Referees Association out there, that they're maintaining that Piper was um, penciled in to referee this weekend's first semi-final between England and New Zealand. And then as a result of the um, investigation into his actions, removed from that game, and Nigel Owen's given the job. Um, you know, we're waiting. I, I don't think World Rugby have uh, confirmed either way on that, but it's all a bit messy, Andy, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly has. I feel, you know, Piper's not a referee I uh, rate, as I consistently uh, <laughs> said. But however, I feel he's been had, uh, done by and World Rugby, I think it's pathetic what they've done. Well, we, Taking we, him off, not considering yeah. <laughs> No, they've said in their press release they did not consider him for a match this weekend. They claimed in their press release. Right, okay. Now, why I say that is because Welsh fans, oh, let's have a photo of you, Jack. Oh, they're all having a few beers and all. <laughs> yes, he was a bit naive. Of course, they've all gathered around him, photographed, they all raised their elbows, said, Jack, I'll get your elbow in the, in the air and all. And he's gone along with it. Peer pressure, simple mistake. That, he, uh, he should know make. better. He should know better. Perhaps he should know better, but, you know, it was a bit of banter, wasn't it? And the ironic thing Would about it Would we this, be saying that if one of the Welsh players had got sent off and he'd yeah, but you done the no, same with, nobody with, with, with in the French world, players? Nobody in the world would could we? argue against the sending off. No, no, but would, we, not, would we have taken it in that good spirit? I don't think it's... But him doing that. If he had done that it... Personally, I wouldn't have cared. I don't think that's, that's uh, not... Why I say that is because of the uh, red card. It was a definite yeah, red I card. Mean, the contentiousness of that red card isn't really the point because... No, it's just the appropriateness. I mean... People are forgetting the fact that he he did give Wales a rather controversial try. I, I, I can't imagine. So he's not he's not exactly popular with the French at the minute for for that try. Let alone you know. Well, it was a try. Is, nothing wrong with that try. The rep. Yeah. Well, there's nothing a viewpoint that the there's ball a, went yeah, forward. Viewpoint, isn't there? Well, the TV cameras showed it. Well, no, the, the TV cameras are kind of inconclusive, aren't they? Yeah, and the on the field decision was try, so they went with the try. Oh no, I can understand why it happened. Nobody's, but nobody's taken us out of the semi-finals. <laughs> <laughs> We're just saying that the French fans already had an issue with him. Yeah, I know, but it's but what's the world coming to where you can't have a bit of fun? This social media has got a lot to answer for, I must say. Also, like, you got to think about the, the, tri- the tribunal stuff, isn't it? You know, Vahimina will be up against a disciplinary panel. What Yako Piper's referee report will contribute to what Barney gets. It's not a good look if a couple of hours after submitting that referee report, he's then mimicking the action, is well, it? Interesting well, thing, of course. If, what, you telling it, me the, the French player did not do that? I'm not, but it's, it. just a, it's, it's, just a, it's just a strange... <laughs> <It's clear. laughs> Who does he get banned for now? He's retired from international rugby. Yeah. 
He apologised. And I he got the piece. You did, Simon. He apologised in the dressing room. And he, he did. He said, I have dropped uh, uh, something. Rugby's, <laughs> rugby's a bit more fluid with this band, isn't it? I think it will be banned. It will, because one of the Samoan players who were banned has had because there weren't enough games mm. left because of his concussion. Yeah, yeah. He's having to serve a band in London Irish. Lavanini's missing his first so few left. By, I think Vlamina plays for yeah. Claremont. Claremont yeah. Laverne. So he'll presumably miss a yeah. game yeah. from them. Listen, no, the French Federation, they're kicking up a lot. It seems kicking up a bit of fuss about Jackal Piper's, uh, the, that photograph and all. But if I were them, I would concentrate on uh, what is wrong with French rugby and why he's been in Dalton so, so many years and do something about sorting that out. <laughs> to an extraordinary yeah. broadside against the France. I'd, I'd be... I, I think they're going to be strong contenders 2023. What did you make of yeah, their yeah, captain's comments that. after they I'm going to do specific I'm not, I'm details? Not of... use that language on this podcast. <laughs> but he, he questioned, um, yeah, he questioned, I think his exact words, the bits we can use were, um, they are first or second in the world, seriously? Mm. It, it wasn't mm. the most glowing assessment of Wales from uh, Gerard, Gerardo, was it? No, it wasn't. And it came, of course, post match. And uh, you could argue the uh, Welsh performance and maybe at a point. The Wales did not look like the first or second or second best team in the world at that uh, stage. And say, for example, they played South Africa last weekend and performed like that, or they played against New Zealand. So no, New Zealand did to Ireland. You know, you would have feared for Wales playing like that. So, yeah, yeah but those would be marks, which fortunately have come out uh, from, uh, <laughs> from the uh, skipper there. We will actually help. Uh, that will also fire Wales up. Yes, yes. So thanks for the team talk. Yes, well done, Gwilym. Yeah, lovely stuff. Um, Sounds a bit Welsh, doesn't it, Gwilym? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we'll leave it, yeah, leave it there then on that. Um... Are we going to do one of these before the game, Benjamin? Uh, yeah, we will. We'll oh, have, we, um, we don't have to do predictions. We haven't today, got any predictions yet because we've got, actually, we've got two more podcasts yeah. coming this week. Well, we should... want to give a plug to tomorrow night. Exactly. Yeah. So This is the big one. Depend, <laughs> depending, on when you, uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast, if you do listen to this before Thursday night, uh, you will still have the chance to come along to the Cardiff Arms Park Thursday night, 7 p.m. start. So I get there a little bit earlier um, to see us and Ellis Jenkins do a special live podcast. Um, and if you don't listen to this before Thursday, um, you can still listen to it on the usual channels. No charge for entry. Just got to get tickets in advance, is it? Book them. Yeah, all you have to do all you have to do is, yeah, 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 um, yeah. if you yeah. click onto our Facebook account or... Uh, look on our uh, Twitter account. You'll see there's various links on there to the page where you can register for a ticket. We hear it's close on 100 people already, so have uh, applied yeah. to get tickets. So that's good. Just in the downstairs bars, the Amsterdam. Also, if you're not unable to attend, but you'd like a particular question put to Alice, then uh, fire them through to us. And uh, we'll be some, streaming it live on Facebook yeah, as well. So yeah, you can watch fire it, your yeah. questions through to us on Twitter or Facebook, and we'll try and put them through to Alice. And, I believe uh, I'd- Glamorous assistant John Dole will be taking care of the questions. What's the, what what kind of voice has he got? Smooth talking, apparently. Smooth ben. talking. Didn't see that referred talking. to with you. No. No. I was deputy, I believe I was called. And um, <laughs> somebody, I've, I've not, somebody called you deputy dog. <laughs> I've not I've not I've not let it affect me at all. Um all so yeah, that'll be that'll be the one podcast, and then we'll have another one on Friday for the team announcement. So we really are spoiling you with podcasts at the minute after a bit of a dry spell earlier in the week. But as always, um until the next time you can catch all the latest news on Wales Online.